Yo, 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 yo. Welcome to No Pants Required. I'm your host, X3C, and thanks for joining. Today, we're going to break this episode into a three-part series titled The Jungle Series, Part 1, Surviving the Corporate Grind. In this three-part series, we're going to explore communications from the expert and solutions architect, my best friend, Paul Prince, will be joining the podcast a little bit later on. But first, let's dive into the quickie. I was watching a video podcast recently called The Waveform, and they they had like a challenge on the podcast where they talked about not using your cell phone before bed. And they really were talking about like ways to, to fall asleep and have really good sleep throughout the night. And that led me to thinking about a new challenge that, that I think would be very useful for you guys, my listeners, as well as myself. So I thought of this new challenge, not using your cell phone one hour before bed and one hour before wake. Hear me out. This is why I think this is important. Not touching your cell phone before bed. Obviously, there's a lot of research out there about screen time and how that can affect your sleep patterns and allow you to fall asleep quicker and throughout the night. So there's research that supports not using your phone before bed for better sleep quality. I want to add in there not using your phone as soon as you wake up. Do not let the the distractions from the world distract your mind and your brain activities as soon as you wake up. So when you're up, you're out in the restroom or you're drinking some water or you're going straight into your exercise or in into um, meditation or yoga, whatever it is, you're able to focus on yourself in the morning. So I want to challenge everyone who's listening. Try, maybe even for like two weeks or even a month, give yourself some period of time where you are committed to challenging yourself to not using your smartphone before bed and when you wake up, one hour each. Can you all do that? Let me know. And that's the quickie for today. I don't want to pause this any longer. I want to get this guy on a mic as quickly as possible. So I want to introduce today our guest speaker for this three-part series, the first of No Pants Required. First time having a three-part series. My special guest and best friend, Paul D. Prince. Let's welcome him to No Pants Required, ladies and gentlemen. Hey, Warren. How are you? Pretty good. Thank you for having me today. I'm very excited to join you and uh, your returning listeners and guests. Um, as you know, this is a topic or a series of topics that we were both pretty, pretty excited about. So excited to share my my life experience and some things I picked up along the way with you and your listeners. Perfect. So um, before we get into the discussion of today's topic, I do want to tell the listeners about our ready for this. 20 plus years of friendship. Uh-oh. It goes all the way back to the Grambling State University. Shout out to GSU. The place where everyone is somebody. Whoop, whoop, whoop. Um, so we met back in college. Uh, crazy times. Uh, crazy experiences um, that we've shared um, from sneaking into clubs, into mm-hmm. <laughs> dancing all hours of the night in random cities. Um. And of course, to hang it out in New Orleans, uh, doing Bayou Classic times, doing the summer times. I mean, we just like we 
been around each other for for quite some time. And I can add, you know, Paul has been there for me um, during times where, you know, doing struggles and times through successes. And so um, he knows all about my journey and I know it's all about his journey. Um, mm -hmm. So I would say, you know, we kind of know each other a lot here with the yin and the yang back and forth. So we'd be able to share a lot of good information for you guys. Um, also, I'd like to tell you guys um, that, uh, you know, helping, the, well, this whole podcast in general, you know, part of, you know, me executing this vision, Paul helped that come to life. So, um, you know, when you guys see him or if you get a chance to um, message him on his provided um, contact information later on in the episode, you know, please reach out to him. All right. So we talked about our college days um, a little bit. I don't want to get too deep into that because that's not the, the point of this episode. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, you know, friendships are important and they're important to me. And I look at my friendships the same as one would as family. And, and I don't know if that's a cancer trait or, you know, some other type of trait that I have. Um, but for me, you know, friendship and family to me are one and the same. And I treat them as such. Um, and, you know, I dive so deep into friendships. Sometimes I think it becomes a detriment to me because it, you know, some people don't look at friendships in the same manner that I may look at it, right? Mm -hmm. And so as I'm pouring in all my energy and effort and love into an individual, you know, I may not get that same in response. And sometimes that does bother me. Um, what do you think about that, Paul? No, I, I totally agree. I think what's interesting that you mentioned that uh, when I lived in uh, North Carolina and you were in D.C., I think not long uh, moved there because of Katrina and everything. <clears throat> there was this book I was reading called When Codependency Becomes Harmful to Me. And I think in a lot of those situations, it may be a slight codependency relationship where there's something that both of you need um, from that connection. And but when it becomes unhelpful, un, um, unhealthy is when, like you say, you're pouring so much out of that person is an energy vampire, as some may say, and you're you're giving, 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 but you're not getting anything. Um, and I, so when you get to those unhealthy points, sometimes it's good or all the time it's good to just relook, rethink those relationships, those networks, those connections and see if they're still helpful and non harmful to you. And it's OK. I mean, we as people, we grow, we evolve, we become um, better or worse selves. <laughs> so as you identify that in, within yourself or someone else, I, I think it's okay to assess those friendships, those networks, those connections, and then make a decision that, that best suits you. I think that makes sense. And that's something that um, has been a challenge for me. I've, I've definitely tried to, you know, articulate to these individuals who, you know, all my friends that, you know, how much energy I'm putting into it. I kind of sort of don't mention the fact that I, you know, am looking for that same level of energy in return, but I do expect it. You know, maybe that's part of the issue there, and I probably should communicate that a little bit more. So those are kind of some things that motivate me, and I just wanted to like share that with you guys. You know, in the parts of our friendship here, um, and, and Paul just alluded to when he lived in North Carolina. Um, mm -hmm. You know. I can say, and I may have this number wrong, um, it seems like you lived in over 15 different cities in America and in Germany. Mm -hmm. um, I may sounds, have that wrong. That sounds right. about correct. Um, what's interesting about me um, co-hosting with this series is that, uh, as you notice, we've talked almost every day for 
20, 21 years. Right. And this encompasses, you know, me living in different states, different jobs, uh, mostly the same employer because I worked for the Department of Army as a uh, public affairs practitioner for almost 14 to 15 years. And I've done some other stuff in between um, that. But with that career, um, I moved around a lot. And initially in the early parts of my career, people were like, well, why are you moving around so much? You're living so many different places. Every time I look up, there's a new address. And one thing I had to, you know, learn for myself is that, you know, a lot of times depending on the, and we'll get into a lot of this a little bit later, but depending on the agency or the firm that you're working for, sometimes moving up means moving out. Uh, and for me, the early parts of my career, I had to move around and move out and about to where the opportunities were. A lot of times, you know, we feel as though companies, agencies, firms are supposed to bring the opportunities to us. And another hint I'll give later on in the in this uh, in the series is that that's not always the case. Uh, sometimes you have to see where a company is, where their culture is and how they reward um their professionals, um, your great activity, your productivity, uh, and know what their capabilities of doing such is. So, but yeah, so that's a little snippet to uh, why I've lived in <laughs> so many different cities. Uh, Cause I moved where the money was. I moved where the opportunities were. Um, I think very rarely early in my career that I moved to somewhere where it was like, Ooh, I want to move to a big city. Uh, the funny part about it is I think the first big city I moved to was Atlanta and that was after Iowa and Alabama, you know, shout out to Iowa and to Alabama, but, uh, it was the first big city, uh, I had moved to after college. That's and right. So. I remember, I remember all of those cities, you know, it's funny you bring up, um, moving where the money is and, and. And I was also one of those individuals who didn't necessarily understand early on in my 20s that it was important to move around for opportunities, mm -hmm. you know. Um, and as I've gotten older, I can see, well, you know, going somewhere for a year or two, it's not the end of the world. Mm -hmm. And it, it broadens your horizons, your experiences. It it, it provides you with this, the the environment that you otherwise wouldn't necessarily have culturally as mm -hmm. well as regionally. And I think it's, you know, it's admirable to, you know, for you to put yourself in a position where you could leave, you know, it's not like not you leaving your roots or you leaving people behind, but you know, you're able to transition to different places and still keep these connections with people and even return in some locations. Cause there are times where you've been in some cities and returned to those cities. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it's, it's it's definitely interesting. And I think one major takeaway from this is that, you know, one should map out their career, um, even though it, it may not make sense to other people, uh, as long as it makes sense to you and you can connect the opportunity or connect the benefit of you making that decision. I feel like uh, you should do it. I mean, a lot of the great people that we admire or seek mentorship today, their their plans were never um, that uh, I wouldn't say exciting, but uh, that understand un understandable to other people. But if you understand where you're going uh, and you're connecting the how to get there, it will ultimately make sense uh, not only to you but to others uh, as that you make that progression. Right. And so, um, so tell the listeners, um, how did you get started with your consultant business? The name of it, and 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 anything you want to provide. <laughs> so interesting point. So I do have a consulting company called The Prince Connection, LLC. Um, I've been working 
doing a lot of consulting over the years uh, for a very long time. And it's funny because much of, much of it has been pro bono, uh, just me being able to explore different passions, different skill sets. Um, most times using my friends to include you <laughs> as my guinea pigs. Um, may it be for event planning, photography, um, different um, uh, public relations um, consultant type specialties. I've even done image consulting for people trying to change their individual fashion or professional fashion. And even to the point of part of what we would talk about today, you know, getting being job interview ready, uh, not only from the look, from the authentic presence uh, to the actual verbal responses. And then of course, prepare, prepare, prepare is one of the, the biggest things. Um, but I've been doing that, um, I wanna say, gosh, for almost 20 something years, unofficially, LLC was codified during COVID. That was one of my passion um, projects as well as a, an objective um, for the early pandemic time. Um, right now, uh, because of the new job I just got, yay, I, I can't perform um, much under my, uh, my LLC because it might be uh, construed as a conflict of interest. Um, but I'm, I'm always, you know, available to connect um, with like mind uh, or, you know, just open minded individuals uh, looking for advice, looking for a connection a network. I tell people all the time, if I am, am not the person that can help you, I can find someone who can. And I feel that's we'll, we'll eventually talk about, you know, your personal brand. I think that's a part of my personal brand. Oh, I know that's a part of my personal brand. Uh, strategic storyteller and a solutions architect. I feel as though I am that person that you can uh, put in front of your a client, assess their needs, develop, find, implement, measure, whatever solution at the right time to get the most uh, positive impact. Uh, and, you know, we'll get into personal brands and stuff uh, a little bit uh, later, but that's mine. I, I feel like my calling uh, is to, to help people advance in, in whatever field or avenue they're in. Right. And so let's jump right into it. As I mentioned earlier, this is the Jungle Series, part one. And in yeah. this episode, <laughs> it's surviving the corporate grind. And in, in particularly in this episode, we're going to discuss, as Paul mentioned, developing your brand, researching for specific dream jobs. And that's important. And identifying your preferred work culture. So let's dive right into it. Developing your brand. So what do you suggest, Paul, that one would do, even if they've mid-career early on starting their career, or are they transitioning and they want to move to a separate career? Um, I think branding can be fluid, um, if that makes sense. I think, you know, one should think of branding as we do for like Tide or for Dawn, um, what are some other popular products? The bamboo shirts <laughs> that okay. that you like so much. I, you know, so just much. as companies and firms and agencies think about developing and implementing and protecting um, a brand, we as individuals should have our own brand. Um, who are we? Um, what do we stand for? What values do we embrace? And in which ways do we express those values? These are important questions I feel uh, people should ask themselves. I consistently ask myself, Warren, you and I are X3C. You and I talk about this all the time of, you know, what are we putting out and how are we being perceived? And it's always interesting. Uh, it's a delicate dance in a sense of where you are in your career. I feel as though one can evolve or or maybe regress or hold back whatever part of themselves 
uh, they need to to advance. I don't think that it's a fact of someone being fake or false or not being fully authentic. I think, you know, each individual person has layers to themselves. Um, and I think sometimes layers should be protected or certain layers should be uh, presented in certain times and certain spaces um, to get the desired result. Um, but I think the ultimate thing after you answer all these questions for yourself, you know, who am I? What do I stand for? What are my values? How do I express these values? Then you own it. Um, whatever you put out into that space, whatever you put out um, uh, in front of that recruiter or in front of a job, you own it. Um, I think that's important. Um, another note for your personal brand, it communicates your identity. It um, you know, the clear value of potential to employers and clients. So what are you communicating about yourself? What are you communicating about your strengths? Uh, there's nothing wrong with weaknesses. You know, what things that you take more time on? Um, knowing these things can help you better market and, and develop a story um, for yourself. Um, so I have a few examples. Uh, early in my career, I considered myself a generalist. I wanted to be everything, public relations, everything, uh, mass communications, public affairs, um, as I worked for the Department of Army. <clears throat> Excuse me. As I matriculated through my career, I noticed that with certain jobs, I had to become a specialist a uh, and have a niche um, offering to my client on my firm. And so that's when I you know, started fully developing um, my personal specialty in communications, which is uh, media relations, or where I have most of my experience in. And then ironically, you know, as I you know, started rounding up, like I said, it's been almost 16 years, 17 years um, of a career for me, federal and non-federal, I became a generalist again. I realized, and I'm not sure if it was the turn of how you know, firms or agencies or companies or just the workforce is, is going or just, you know, my personal brand. And I feel like my personal brand is becoming more of a, a general um, offerer uh, of services, um, definitely one of leadership and, and general consulting um, opportunities. And so you one all, often have to ask themselves, you know, what am I trying to accomplish? How can I accomplish those things? And, you know, right now where I am, I was at an impasse with my career for the last two or three years of like what, and of course you've been the listener of that communication <laughs> more often uh, than I'm sure you probably care to uh, admit. Um, but I had to keep asking myself, you know, you know, where are you going? Where these, for these last 16, 17 years, you know, where have you been um, projecting yourself? What's the trajectory look like? And right now, uh, I'm a strategic storyteller. I'm a solutions architect. I'm that person that will provide uh, the best solutions at the right time in the right spaces uh, for my clients to achieve the positive results. Um, so a, a few other tips that I would add, um, as I know X3, X3C will um, jump back in very quickly. Um, tips for developing your personal brand. Um, initially, I gave you a couple of questions. There'll be a few more questions I'm going to offer. Again, that who are you question is a very important question. Uh, <laughs> X3C witnessed me, you know, interrogate a person at a social function about like, who are you? Funny. Um, we were drinking <laughs> and none of us was ready for that. And I, I don't think we were really even paying attention to what was happening. And did we just all like kind of sort of turned around at the same time? Like, wait, what? <laughs> What's happening? Mm -hmm. 
because again, it's it's always interesting, like how people will codify themselves, their experiences, their worth. And, you know, of course, you know, one common one, you know, I'm from the South, you know, Southern Baptist reared to so be like, oh, I'm a Christian. That's who I am. And it's like, OK, but is there anything else? And I and again, I feel like, you know, each individual person is made up of a multiplicity of layers and, you know, understanding and knowing your layers, I think is very important. Because uh, I feel like that's how, you know, you're able to work on stuff. I feel like that's how you're able to employ different skill sets, different um, personality traits that you possess. And it's not you being different. It's not you being scatterbrained. It's you um, presenting uh, the best version of yourself. Uh, one thing, one quote I have uh, an anonymous because I'm not sure who said it. Um, it was on one of the podcasts I listened to. Um, I'm not trying to be the best, but I'm trying to be my best self. And I will add in the right space at the right time. Right. Because uh, I think that's important. Um, so uh, other questions to ask yourself, where do you excel? What are those things I do very, very well? What are those things that I get complimented on with little to no effort? Um, what motivates you? Um, I think we talked about that a little bit earlier about, you know, is it people? Is it achieving a personal mission? Um, is it just a sheer success? Is it the moolah? Show me the mother money. You know, it's interesting about <laughs> about the motivate yourself. So Renee and I was watching. It's probably maybe even three separate movies over over the past few days, mm -hmm. and I definitely recall in those movies a specific phrase that was stated. And these were three different movies, mind you, on different platforms. And so the, the genres were all, you know, all over the place. Mm -hmm. And many times the story came up where the, the child, the son or daughter was always trying to please a parent. Right. And it that hit me really hard because never in my life have I ever tried to please a parent. So I was always self-motivated. So know? you already know what I'm about to ask you. Okay. So what was the ethnicity of the person? <laughs> they were uh, mostly uh, Caucasian. I believe one was Spanish and Asian. And so as he already knows, so we always have the, the cultural conversations and stuff. And I honestly, I feel like it's, it's culture driven. Not, not, so you're one individual person mm -hmm. of a subset of people. Um, so we can't just, you know, say, oh, well, since Warren does it all, you know, African-American people do it or all people of a certain whatever. But one thing I have noticed over the years, maybe in, in the Hollywood movie arena or just in life, different cultures, you know, breed different attitudes and um, and behaviors. And I feel like in certain um, uh, cultures around the world, like they are bred to be like, hey, you know, obviously in the Christian vernacular, we said, you know, honor thy father and mother. Um, but, you know, you see in other uh, ethnic cultures where it's like, you know, the mother and the father or the patriarch and matriarchs of the family. That's almost like a and I I'm loosely say deity, but like they are very highly regarded, highly respected people. And you want nothing more than to make them happy. Now, what makes them happy, obviously would be the question but most times it's generally success or seeing you do well and then of course doing your part to advance the family legacy uh maybe through whatever work you're doing or to grab the next family member up and pull them up or help them pull themselves up by the bootstraps um but yeah what motivates you is definitely very important um i know you talked earlier about like when you first get up during a quickie you know 
uh, finding productive things to do that that feeds into your inner psyche, your um, your emotional state and your mental state. Uh, one thing I do personally do, um, though I do grab my phone first, is <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, my preference in the morning is to play inspirational and gospel music because I feel like for me that's something that helps to fortify my mental state. So when I jump on my first, you know, phone call or start my first meeting, I'm ready to, you know, to to, to swing. I'm ready to, to go in um, and handle what needs to be handled. But I think the flip side to knowing what motivates you is also understanding what drains you, what drains mm-hmm. your energy, what type of right. people drain <laughs> your energy. Right. Because that's, that's critical. <laughs> I cut them off. And it's not, a, it's, it's not a cut off like these memes that you see online. You know, I, I literally just like, okay, I know how to handle this type of relationship. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because again, it's one thing. And again, I love this man to death on, this, on the other end of this microphone. <laughs> but when this thing be like, uh, I'm hit you later. I don't feel like talking. I be heated because I'm like, <laughs> do you not go answer my phone? But you know, I, but I get it because again, at the end of the day, you know, we are responsible for um, guarding and protecting our own energy. And when you have nothing left to give, and this is a professional advice and personal advice, when you have nothing left to give, you're done. Like. The, that person, that entity will go on to somebody else. If it's job related, you can kill over dead that next day. They will have your PD, your a job announcement up by the end of the week. Correct. So, uh, so note to self, uh, definitely work-life balance and take care of self. But you have to know what uh, fortify and motivates you and what drains the heck out of you. You know, um, and I'm an extrovert, you know, and, 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 I, and people think I'm always on, but in order for me to recharge, and this could be for all extroverts, but I know for me, when it's time for me to recharge, I have to re, re, regain myself mm-hmm. by by cutting everything off. So don't at me, anyone who's listening to this. There are times where I literally look at my mm-hmm. phone and turn it over, <laughs> and I may the do that shade. more than you, I may do that more than you think. <laughs> the shade, the shade. It's, um. it's, it's protecting myself. It is. <laughs> <laughs> no, for real. And you and you have to. Because, um, again, we talked about, you know, unhealthy codependency relationships. Um, there are unhealthy work relationships, work habits. Um, I remember when I worked um, for my first consulting firm uh, supporting a government entity. Literally, you know, I used to have, you know, clear boundaries and cut off times. And then my lunch started getting taken from, hey, can I get 15 minutes? And I'm like, the F? This is my lunch time. And right. so, you know, certain things, you know, will will drain you. So you have to be mindful of that. So quick recap recap of the first of tips for developing your personal brand. Who are you? Where do you excel? What motivates you? What drains your energy? And what things I need more time to complete, which is which is important. As you are, you know, putting out there uh, your brand to recruiters or to clients or to your boss or whomever, um, you're you're you know delivering your brand to you have to know your limitations you have to know where you excel it's good for time management um and it's also good for professional development and i think you know recruiters and employers are very uh admirable to those who yeah we yeah we want to know your strengths um but but of course be realistic on those time on those areas not saying that it's a weakness but it's an area where you may need more time or you're not as versed in but you do well in so um, other things to consider, I have uh, number two, what do you want to be known for? 
um, when Paul Prince walks down the hall and when Paul Prince name is, you know, said in certain circles, what, what do you want to be known for? And that's part of that uh, personal brand and what you're giving off. Three, define your audience. Um, do you want to be known as that person among other thought leaders, uh, companies, recruiters? Um, tailor your story to whatever audience that you're trying to reach or penetrate. Um, four, reach your desire, I'm sorry, research your desired um, industry. Uh, I think that's very important. We're going to talk about raises. We're going to talk about salary uh, expectations. And part of that are finding your perfect job. And all of that starts with desiring uh, research your desired industry. What does that look like? Um, and once you do research that uh, desired industry, uh, identify and follow the experts, like find people even, you know, uh, <laughs> X3C likes to say, ooh, Sierra is my best friend in my head. Um, and Elon Musk and Ariana Grande. <laughs> but, but sometimes you have to have a similar mentality when it comes to people in your industry. Like what are industry leaders saying? What are influencers in, a, in, in an industry saying? Like what are the standards? Uh, and part of that is just identifying them and following them. Um, five, conduct informational interviews. Um, when we were young, and some of us knew, some of us didn't know how to do this. When you were young, like, I want to be a doctor. I'm like, oh, well, what does that entail? You go talk to a doctor and you ask doctors, like, what was school like? What is the commitment like? What are some of those things that we may not automatically think about that I have to invest in, you know, in having a career in this? Um, from your experience, what would you say? You know, these informational interviews are very important. Our viewer, uh, X3C mentioned that, you know, you know, you're at different parts in your career. You know, you're starting your career. Are you trying to make a slight pivot or are you trying to advance in the same arena, arena that you're in right now? At all of those stages, researching your industry comes into um, uh, a part there. And then, of course, those informational interviews can be a part of that research. Um, of course, develop your elevator pitch. Like my, my bumper sticker is... Um, strategic storyteller, solutions architect. Um, my elevator pitch is, hi, my name is Paul Prince. I am the consultant that works with my clients, assess their needs uh, to find, develop, implement the best uh, solution at the right time to get the best possible uh, positive impact. A little rough, still um, refining it, but that's the crux of who I am and what I do. Now, um, of course, if I've, you know, grabbed someone's attention or garnered their attention, then they would like to know more. And I'm like, okay, would you like to know more? My communications offerings, my general consulting offerings, um, you know, media relations or um, uh, being a national spokesperson or being your authentic self. What, you know, what do you like to know more? And and having those, uh, those other uh uh, connections to pivot to or topics to pivot to is important as well. Embrace a network. Uh, may that be on LinkedIn. May that be in person. Again, like I said before, if I'm not that person that is able to to find, do, develop, I know or can find people within my network um, who can do that. And I think that's very important. Shout out to LinkedIn um, <laughs> um, for helping you know some of us organize those those connections. Um, and then, of course, I mentioned LinkedIn. LinkedIn asks for recommendations. As you finish jobs, as you finish um, different uh, tasks, maybe pro bono work, maybe paid work or consulting work, um, ask people on LinkedIn or people that you are friends with or that you've done work for or with on LinkedIn. Ask them for recommendations because recruiters do look at that. Like, what do other people say about this person and their brand? Um, and I that's one... Um, uh, tip and trick 
I would say another thing I would say about LinkedIn, there is a audio um, recording version where you're technically supposed to use it to tell people how you pronounce your name. Use that as a 30 uh, second, I think it's 30 or 60 seconds that you have. Use that as a way to to market yourself, to say your name and your bumper sticker and your, you know, your quick elevator speech to grab people in, to get them more interested in reviewing your profile. And I and think that's, go ahead. Sorry, I think that is important. I did see that recently. Um, on LinkedIn as a part two, as you just mentioned, as your elevator pitch. I think that is something that many people should use. Mm -hmm. um, at my uh, current organization, we do look at LinkedIn after we go through like the resumes and we've like determined our top whatever number of candidates. Mm -hmm. We do look at LinkedIn uh, to see their profile, their experiences, their connections. Mm -hmm. and, and, and unfortunately, you know, people use biases in some situations, but mm -hmm. it is a way for you to to brand yourself in an air quote safe space. You know, mm -hmm, it's, it's mm -hmm. when you're applying to these jobs or commitments or you want to participate in the larger organization or a member of a nonprofit. Mm -hmm. It is important that your LinkedIn, if you choose to develop one, is de designed in a way where you, you provide the best self forward. And, and I think using that, um, the audio feature, I think really is important. I may even consider doing that sometime soon right and again you know the last part of this is um growing your online presence and i think one thing that you said too is deciding you know how you want to bring yourself and own it i mean you and i have talked about that for years now like there was one um i was working for a consulting firm uh in dc and uh, just happened to be serving a client that you were doing an interview for and um just to put it out there um uh x3c is definitely involved in natural hair. Um, and, you know, we talked about, you know, you know, how would this be perceived? You know, we always bounce, which we'll probably go through throughout the, this series. You know, we've had educational experiences together. We've had financial experiences together. We've had professional experiences together where it's like, okay, hey, what do you think? Like, this is da da da. Um, but for me, whatever you decide or however you decide to brand yourself, just own it. And part of that branding and putting yourself out there is also the flip side, understanding the culture or the agency or firm that you're trying to, to, um, to penetrate. Because again, like it though you may be the the smartest person in the room though you may be the best fit for the job the recruiter or their hiring official may not feel that as though that you match well with that with that culture now is it right on some levels maybe yes maybe no um but just but again you knowing the culture know or uh, put you at an advantage of knowing you know do I use my full authentic self or is there a certain layer I have to put, uh, peel back or pull right. forward? Um, but whatever you decide to do, own it. And, and specifically about that, about that story that Paul just mentioned, um, he is correct. I did own it. I owned the natural hair, the natural hair. I own my natural hair, how, how, how I wanted myself to be perceived in my natural state. Um, it was, in my opinion, well done. However, culturally, as Paul just mentioned, as in identifying your preferred work culture environment, I recognize almost immediately walking through the corridors to head into that interview session that I was out of place. As Paul mentioned, professionally, skill wise, I knew I had it. I can do that job in my sleep. But as I walked through, 
I didn't feel like I was a fit for that particular environment. So thinking about those recruiters who did not look like me and no one else in those corridors looked like me. As I sat down to answer the questions, I'm recognizing they're more consumed with me mm -hmm. being a fit. And I purposely owned my look because I wanted to be me, my true self in this space. And um, I was uh, one of the two top candidates for that particular job. Uh, they went with someone else. I did not get the job. And I was absolutely ecstatic because I don't think I would have been a good fit for that organization. Absolutely. And one thing <laughs> I know it sounds so petty and shady, but one thing I do enjoy, though, uh, how to say the best revenge is up on your paper or your status. Right. And I will say that my best friend is at the highest levels of government right now. <laughs> uh, making change and it's funny because again you know there was a time where we talked about you were like uh dude i am comfortable where i am i'm not trying to do more right now life is good my balance is good and where you at now you bossing stuff <laughs> you know like um, you said earlier <laughs> you know there are times where you transition and you change and 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 at a particular point in my life i wasn't necessarily ready for a grind air quotes but I was, I was definitely comfortable in where I was, and that and that complacency wasn't. Um, I was just, uh, let me clarify that. That comfortability, some people look at that as complacency, wasn't mm -hmm. a negative thing. It was I was just okay where I was at in mm -hmm. that point in my career. Transitioning out to today, you know, moved on to a promotion in, in other areas of my my career and life in general. Um, I definitely think, you know, I gave, like you said earlier, I gave myself some time mm -hmm. and, um, you know, who knows what the next frontier is for me. Um, at the moment, I am again, back to comfortable where I am Right, right. <laughs> um, and have zero desires for like the next stage. But I do recognize, you know, to your point, developing my brand, having mm -hmm. an elevator speech or pitch, if you will, and having my LinkedIn designed in the way that I want it to be, you know, right. I put a lot of stuff out there about my podcast on my LinkedIn. And I know that there are individuals at my organization who has reviewed it because you can see it on LinkedIn. And when I did my bio for this new position, when it was announced at my organization, they mentioned, um, they mean uh, those who introduced me, uh, that, you know, I enjoy doing a podcast and I really do. And this is a part of who I am. And I don't see why I should be able to separate you know, a passion project that I have now with my career, because for me, this is all part of the career. Right. And so um, as you do, as Paul mentioned, as you're developing your brand, recognize who you are and what you want to put out there in the world. Hopefully what you're putting out there is your authentic self, who you really are, and that you don't have to have divergent paths. It could be the same path as you're moving on throughout life. And that's how I look at things. And we covered a lot here in this first episode, Paul, um, as you're looking at maybe the top five employment tricks and or hacks, you know, that you want to leave the listeners, what would those be? Ooh, great question. There's just so many, honestly. <laughs> um, let's see. Okay. I can't say how much more that one has to, and I apologize for the jingling and in the background, that's my little puppy. He gets excited sometimes. And so he wants to play and come talk to Papa. So um, I would say my top five, 
develop and manage your brand. Again, just like companies and agencies, they develop and manage their brand. You have to manage and develop and manage your brand. Like, how do you want to be seen? How do you want people to, um, and I say perceive you, but you can't control that. You can only control how you put it out there. And like I said, own it. Be the best version of yourself that you can be at that time. Uh, that's all you can do. That's all you can control. I would say two, stay apprised of industry standards and best practices. Um, as you you know develop your brand, you have to know like what are these offerings that I give and how can I best give these offerings and at least meet the standard, if not exceed the standard that um, people are putting out there. Um, for me, it's part strategic storytelling. You know, what are those new tips and tricks in media relations, social media, uh, corporate communication? What are the, the things I can do um, to, to stay relevant. Uh, and then best practices. Sometimes that's come from a network. It comes from reading podcasts or, or LinkedIn learning, you know, learning the and codifying what is industry, the industry standard and best practices. I would say three, map out your career path. Once you have your brand, again, I feel as though your brand could be fluid in a sense that as you move to different parts of your career, your branding changes a little bit. If you think about one of your favorite consumer products that um, you've had, the branding, not really the, the look, yeah, has changed, you know, quite a bit over the years as new technology and, and graphics and stuff have come about. But most companies have evolved, like most of them now, regardless of what you're doing, say, for instance, uh, Pepsi or Coke products. Uh, now some of them um, have uh, responsible drinking elements to them. They own some type of water or some type of sports drink or some type of um, sports um, supplement um, that they offer on their line, not just a sugary sweet um uh, soda <laughs> that they have developed. So, you know, just as they have evolved to drug us. <laughs> with their brands. I mean, you do that with yourself. So map out your career path and, and even your career path may change due to a different um, experience you've had or something now that's available that wasn't available before. Um, you you may say, hey, I, but again, knowing where you were going helps you to reorganize and recodify where you, where you need to go and where you want to go now. So I would say four, identify developmental and advancement opportunities. Again, if you know where you're going, if you've mapped out your career path, if you know what your personal brand is, if you're staying relevant on standards and best practices, then you should already already be able to identify your developmental and advancement opportunities. What are those skill sets? We talked about earlier that there are certain skill sets that I do well and I deliver and get complimented very often. But there are other skill sets that you you do relatively decently or you do, but you need more time to, to get them done or do them. Uh, so I think that's important. And so the last one I have is develop your professional tribe or network. Um, what I mean by that is... Uh, so the last one is the fifth one is develop a professional brand. I'm mean, not develop your professional tribe and network. May this be through LinkedIn. It could be through Facebook. It, be, it could be through a sorority or fraternity. Um, you know, there is a, a list of people that you need to have in your corner where it's making a decision about a job, bouncing and using it as a soundboard of, do you think this is in line with what my career path is, with what industry standard says, um, my developmental issues, my brand, like you need a tribe to help you stay in line with that or a network. They may, can help identify resources to different training opportunities, to um, different job um, offerings that you may have not known about had you not been a part of that tribe. 
I pretty much think we covered a lot in the first series of the Jungle series or the first episode of the Jungle series. So I would definitely want to encourage you guys to come back next week as we continue to explore the second portion of the Jungle series, which is securing the corporate bag. We all want to secure the corporate bag, right? Thank you guys for uh, tuning in to this uh, week's episode. To support this channel, considering downloading the Bean app, link is in the description, and considering purchasing what is called Golden Beans and donating those Golden Beans to this podcast, No Pants Required. Remember, positive energy leads to positive vibes. Don't forget to subscribe if this is your first time joining. No Pants Required can be found on Google Podcasts or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Peace. <music>